You're listening to the About Consent Podcast, episode number six. Welcome to About Consent, the podcast that sparks conversations about creating consent culture, boundary repair, sexual empowerment, orgasm equality, and raising a new sexually conscious and consent-empowered generation. This is a safe, shame-free, judgment-free zone where both survivors and those who support survivors are welcome. I'm your host, Rosalia Rivera. I'm so thrilled about today's episode. I know you're going to love it. You're going to fall in love with Pam the way that I did. I've give you a little bit of background history. I worked with Pam this summer. I joined her Junto Mastermind program. I'm so grateful that I did because I got to know her beautiful soul. She helped me with developing my business brand and she's just amazing. So to give you a little bit of background, she's a dynamically skilled intuitive brand strategist, a speaker. She's a certified crystal healer, a self-proclaimed recovering procrastinator, and she's also the host of the, uh, uh, I was going to say about the consent podcast. That's my podcast. (laughs) She's the host of the Cafe Con Pam podcast and one that I highly recommend. She has such amazing guests on. I love hearing how she empowers others to share their stories and she's all about spreading ideas and moving people. So I can't wait for you to get to know her, to learn about her story of survivorship to thrivership and how she did it, how she stepped into that, what she did, what wisdom she can share with others. So I know you're going to love this. So without further ado, here is our interview. So Pam, I'm so excited you're here. Welcome, welcome. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. <laughs> An honor. Yeah. Yeah, well, it's it, I've had you on for a different reason um, on a different platform, and that was all business. Um, and funny enough, we continued our connection kind of because of business, because I know you through the Junto that I've joined, and uh, which is what helped me actually launch my brand, right, to kind of figure out the voice of my brand. So that was really awesome. And that was also where I found out about your story, because obviously you knew that my goal was to help survivors and become thrivers. And, um, and then that was how we ended up talking about you and, and how you're a thriver. And so, of course, I, I had to have you on the show um, to talk about that, because I want to let our listeners know, um, not just about your story and what happened, but more importantly, about how you, your journey to becoming a thriver. Mm, totally. And I, I love that you're doing this, by the way, because it's, it's such a necessary conversation that's not happening enough. Mm-hmm. So I'm glad you're Thank bringing you. people that are, that are willing to speak about it and that are in their healing journey and that can potentially give others hope, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. I, and I think that's, that's a big, um, topic because for the longest time as a survivor myself, like I wasn't finding enough out there, enough information. You know, there's people that are kind of like hiding in the shadows because they have shame or because they just haven't, you know, they haven't come out about it yet. And I think that the more we have a voice and talk about it, I mean, I think obviously the Me Too movement has been huge in Mm -hmm. giving giving voice to this, but I, I still feel like it's, 
you know, there's people who don't share about their journey to healing enough. Like mm. I see a lot of the negativity around what happened and I, I understand the need to like get that anger out and to get all of those feelings that they, that they were never able to express. But then there's not enough people talking about how they became thrivers and to show that there is this beautiful light at the end of the tunnel, you know, mm. and it's possible. And so that's why one of my goals was to um, bring on, you know, thrivers, right? And so I would love for you to talk about, um, you know, first of all, to share your story and wh- however you're, you know, however much you want to share and you're comfortable with sharing. Um, and then we'll dive into, you know, where you went from there. Totally. No, I love that. I, what happened to me, I was in my 20s and I went on a date with someone I kind of knew. He was friends of friends, right? And we ended up drinking and I, I mean, I used to pride myself in having this high tolerance to alcohol. <laughs> and so it was really unusual for me to, to feel so drunk so quick. Cause I was like, this is not me. And I don't, I still don't know what happened. Right. Hmm. But I was intoxicated. I, I, I had too much to drink. And next thing I know, I realized it was, even in, in my my incoherence, I knew that I wasn't good enough to drive. And I didn't want to risk myself doing that. So I was like, can I stay at your house? And he was like, no, but I can take you somewhere. And next thing I know, we were in a hotel room. And he was on top of me and trying to do things I didn't want to do. And I was very clear that I didn't want to do that. I simply wanted to go to sleep so I could wake up in the morning and and be on my way to go see my grandmother. Mm-hmm. And so that the next morning, I didn't know what had happened as far as what I wanted to happen. You know, it was this very, it, it was a cloudy moment of that this really happened. And that I say that it could happen. I, I was very confused mm-hmm. and the first thing I knew to do was to go to a gym Hmm. and I had a membership to a gym where I could go to any gym in the U S which was great at the time. And so I found the nearest gym and, and I showered and I wanted to wash everything away that I didn't know what it was at the time. And as I was, I mean, I probably showered for a few hours because you know, when I walked in, the sun was, in one space in the sky. And then when I walked out, it was in the whole other side. Yeah. And I just wanted to, to get rid of everything that I was feeling. And I didn't know what, ha- what had happened at the time. So they say that people that experience trauma, they talk about it and they can't shut up about it. Right. Mm-hmm. So when I got back, my friends asked me like, how was your date and what happened? And the only thing I could say is like, we had sex, but I didn't want it. Mm-hmm. And because it was a friend, my friends were like, oh, of course you want it. Let's be real. You liked him. And so that was the first thing that I was like, mm-hmm. then it, the, the cloudiness got even more cloudy, right? Right. Because I was like, well, did I? Like, how do you, how do you know what I want? And right. then they could not believe that somebody that they knew was going to do something I didn't want him to do. 
Mm-hmm. It was very, it was just like, it was just cloudy all the way around. And I think that's what happens a lot, right? That, I mean, I don't remember the percentage right now, but it's a huge, it's a very high percentage of the people that you know that do it. And so I, it took me a few weeks. I was very confused. I mean, I was depressed. I was very confused. I didn't know what was going on. I completely detached myself from my body. I didn't know because something happened to my body that I did, that I did not allow. And in my confusion, I didn't know that I didn't allow it. Does that make sense? Because people yeah. outside of my world were telling me otherwise. And so finally, a friend of mine who is a counselor, she, she, she was like, you need to seek help. Mm-hmm. And because again, people who experience trauma, they just talk about it. So I just kept talking about it, kept talking about it. And finally, I searched the, uh, se me fue el nombre, the race, is it? The hotline for... Oh, yeah, yeah. Rain. So it's Rain, yes. So it's I searched for Rain, and I, at that point, I didn't want to talk about it anymore because the last time I mentioned it, one of my friends was like, okay, Pam, shut up about it. Like, hmm. we understand like it but now looking back I'm like that's probably all I talked about (laughs) they get annoyed about it and they people don't know how to react and this is why to me it's so important to to reach out for professionals who have experience in dealing with people who experience trauma because your friends are not your therapist and my friends did not how to deal all they knew is that I was talking about something over and over and over and they didn't know how to help Mm-hmm. It's not. Well, it's, and they may have minimized it, right? So they're thinking totally. that you're, you're making it bigger than it is. And of course, they didn't experience it. So, right. Yeah. So it has nothing to do with them. They just, they don't know what they don't know. And so finally, when I asked for help, the only thing I could do was type it. So I did it through chat. Mm. And yeah, because at that point, I, I could not talk about it. So the. The person on the other side of the chat saved me. I mean, she said, if you experience something that you did not want, that's sexual assault. Mm-hmm. And it's completely valid. And I was like, but my friends, I'm telling me, my friends are telling me that's not true. And, and she was like, it doesn't matter. You know, you know your truth. And your truth is what you know. And that's what it is. And so that's when it was that validation that I that I needed to say, okay, I'm not crazy. What I experienced is real. And I really didn't want it to happen. Mm-hmm. So then I asked for help and like more professional help, you know, therapy, all, a lot of stuff. But I had to really consciously make that decision that I needed to heal mm-hmm. because it's, it was very easy for me to, to kind of bury it. Like because the people that I was, I was around, they were burying it for me. They were putting it under the carpet like it didn't matter. And so it would have been very easy for me to say, you know what, you're probably right. I did want it, you know, or I did go on that date or I did whatever. And sorry, go ahead. I just, there's so many, there's so many things. I'm like writing down all all these things because as you're talking, there's so many interesting um, reactions to what happened to you, you know, by just your friends or yeah, just everybody who came in contact with your story, um, the way that they responded. So anyway, I'll I'll let you finish, but I am just jotting down because there's so many little pieces of that that I want to unpack. Totally. Yeah. Well, and at the end of the day, 
the when I was talking to when I was in therapy, they were like, well, you know, you have the right. You have 10 years in California. If I'm not mistaken, that hasn't changed. Mm-hmm. You have 10 years to report. So you don't have to do it now. You don't have to do it tomorrow. You can do it when you're ready. Mm-hmm. And at the time I had to make the decision to what was best for my healing. Mm-hmm. And to me, what, what at that time, what was best for my healing journey was to not say anything, to not report because I didn't want to experience that again. Yeah. And so I decided not to report and, and, it's interesting because the people that then they were like, Oh, so it was real. Why didn't you report? Oh you know, people will always have opinions. And so right. that, I mean, to me, <laughs> right. Like, okay, get out. So, to me, right. what's important about owning your truth and owning your story is really owning it and not allowing anyone to come in and, and try to derail you out of it because for a while they, they did. Right. And I was confused about it. And so finally, when I made that conscious decision of I'm not going to report it because that's what's best for my healing, then it didn't matter what people say. I would say I do what I want, basically, but it's I'm looking to heal myself. And that's what is important right now. Whatever he's doing with his life, that's his own journey. And it's not my job. And I can't own that part because that's not that's not my story I need to own mine and I'm taking control of mine and that's it Mm -hmm. so whatever your opinion is that that's fine everyone's entitled to their own opinion but I'm going to do whatever is best for me right right and I love that I love that you were able to to stand that ground because a lot of times um, what unfortunately happens is that when you're in that state of, of uncertainty of what to do and you get swayed by other people, you are not honoring what you need, you know? So I love that you, that you were able to have that courage to say, this is what I need and what I'm going to do. And, and that's how I move, move forward. Right. Mm -hmm. So that's awesome. Totally. Well, let me um, talk about a couple of things before we move forward, because what, one of the things that I, you know, as you're talking is that I think with, without realizing it, the people that you told who were minimizing it or who were saying, you know, you wanted it, that's subconsciously gaslighting. You know, if Mm. you look at it from that perspective, right? Because Mm -hmm. they have normalized rape culture. Right. And that's one of, I mean, to me, that's one of my um, passions is to break down rape culture, right? Let's start creating consent culture. And the only way we can do that is by, really talking about this in a way that's more like where you're deconstructing what's going on. Right. Mm -hmm. And if you went back to talk to your friends and say, you know, you may not have even realized that because we have normalized rape culture so much, you were gaslighting Mm -hmm. my situation. Yep. And that is very dangerous because I think for a lot of people who have gone through traumatic experiences like this, um, if they don't have the right support system, they may never seek out. Absolutely. Help. And it happens mm-hmm. all the time. Yeah. And, and I think that that's, that's one of the things that um, I think is so great about your story is that you kept talking about it, you know, because you needed to, you knew deep down inside, I think our bodies, our nervous system, our mm-hmm. minds know the truth. You know, if you, uh, you know, you said in a, like you, 
in a sense, blacked out. You may have not even blacked out because of the alcohol content in your body. Right. It may have been because you were, you know, you realized you were in a position that was out of your control yeah. and your body and your, and your mind decided to check out, but our nervous system remembers, you know? And so mm -hmm. I think that you have that body memory and that's why you kept talking and saying, you know, I know deep down something was wrong and something that I didn't want to happen happened. And so you kept, you kept talking about it, which was great because it led you to that next stage of seeking help. And the fact that you decided I'm not going to, you know, pursue this person or press charges or whatever, it was like your, your mind was saying, I don't want to re-traumatize myself in that experience. I want to heal. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Totally. So I and think that's, that's amazing. Thank you. No, I mean, it was hard, you know, it wasn't just like, I'm going to do this because you, I really had to go against the, the current, mm -hmm. you know, and I feel like that's just who I am. I'm a contrarian anyway. Right. <laughs> so even then, I mean, when you're experiencing something so painful, I mean, I literally would wake up in the morning every day and feel like a part of me was missing. Like, um, yeah, you know, something was taking, taken from me and I could not get that back. And I didn't know where it went and I didn't know why it was gone. Right. Until I, I understood, understood what had happened. And now I look back and when you were talking about rape culture, I think of all the conversations I had with, with girls in college, for example, or even after of situations that happen to women all the time like this and they to me is sexual assault you know mm. Be and we just and this is men and women but mainly the conversations that I have personally were with women where they were like well I mean we were kind of there and I didn't want to say no so it was like I mean why not right. and I'm like but you didn't want it yeah you know like you yes, you said yes, but deep down you knew you 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 wanted to go to sleep, and so it's this pressure. It, it and that's the interesting thing is that you know as I've gone into gone through my own healing journey, one of the things that I've learned um, specifically about consent, right, is mm -hmm. that we tend to think that if someone says yes, that even though they didn't want it and they were coerced, they still gave consent and co you know. Right. Consent is, is, cannot be given under coercion. It can't. And funny enough, I just posted today about, uh, you know, I teach parents as well. So I have a, my, my Instagram page, Consent Parenting. And I had posted about how as adults, we actually push kids to lower their boundaries mm -hmm. in ways that we don't realize. So like perfect example was, you know, if you're teaching your kid that their body belongs to them and they are eating and they say, okay, I'm full. And you're like, oh, but, you know, can you please eat a oh, no, mess. pretty please? And you've like guilted the child because the child wants to, you know, they're empathetic. They want to make the adults in their life happy that they, you know, love and trust. Mm -hmm. And you've now taught them that someone, you know, coercing you in a sense. I mean, I, people will say, oh, that's extreme. Like, you know, you're just trying to get your child to eat. But the the concept behind it is that, you are teaching them how to lower their boundaries in order to please someone else against their own wishes about their bodies. Yep. 
And it's so insidious because we just don't even realize, you know, when we're, we're teaching them that we're not respecting what they want, we're, mm. we're pushing our agenda on them. <clears throat> and we start to do this as adults and we don't realize it. Like how many times has someone, you know, really like pushed you in a direction that you didn't want. And unless you have some solid boundaries and you've trained that muscle, Mm-hmm. And then when you get into situations where it's sexual and you're with someone that you love or that you want to please or that you like, and, you know, this is where it gets really sticky for youth in particular who haven't had those reinforcing concepts being taught about boundaries. And so they think, well, I agreed to it. So that means I must have somehow wanted it or it couldn't be raped because I okayed it. Yes. Like, yes yeah. You know? Yes. Uh, so it's, it's really interesting that you talk about that because you know, when we talk about boundaries and consent, like consent has to be enthusiastic. It has to be a hundred percent. I want to move forward with this and, you know, keeping those lines of communication open so that, you know, if you're, if you're reading body language that says no, but the person's saying yes, like you need to pause and, and, you know, talk about that because that you've got mixed signals there, right? Yes. Yeah. hundred percent. hundred percent. And, and, yeah, like after I experienced this and I started talking to more women, then I, that really is, it's crazy how consent is not clear for people still. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and it doesn't get, it it doesn't get better with age, it seems like, it's right. not, not the older that you get. I think it's more that we're hearing about, you know, what is uh, appropriate and not appropriate, what's okay and not okay. It's becoming, I mean, I think thank God for the internet because we have the information available now um, and we're trying to get it out to as many people as possible, but there's still so much. And I don't know if it's cultural, like I, what's your opinion on that? Do you think that it's more like, is it like a Latino Latinx experience where, you know, this sort of parents, the way that they raise their kids, it's a little more dominated than other cultures. Like, what would you say about that? I mean, I definitely do attribute historical and and genetic trauma. Is that a word? Genetic? I don't know. But historic historical trauma. Yeah. Generational trauma. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I definitely attribute some part of that to Latina, Latinx humans that we are much more willing to give up when we have authority figures. Mm Mm-hmm because of that generational trauma, right? And because our women were sexually abused. I mean, yep. literally, you know, my ancestors, they were in the land and when the Spaniards came, they were raped. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's that's a fact, right? Even though I'm yeah. 40%, 40%. But it's still something that we carry. I mean, it's been proven by science that it's in your DNA. And so... I do think that Latinx, we still ha- we're still fighting the fight. We're still overcoming those that karma of of clearing that. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I do see it that women are and the way that we are raised too, right? Like there's still a lot of machismo, and even though it's going away, and we still there's still this 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 machismo going on where women are more 
submissive. And this goes in all genders, I would say, you know, depending on, on how you were raised. So I do, so to answer, long answer to a short question, I think, yes, it, it does influence the way that you're raised. Mm-hmm. And for brown people, brown and black folks, especially because we do have much more trauma that we just have to endure. Well, I, I, looking at the statistics also, it, there is a higher uh, percentage uh, of sexual violence that happens in, um, within, like, with people of color, with Indigenous. Like in Canada, for example, where I live, the number, the disparity between the numbers is huge. Like it's so much greater. Um, and so, you know, again, that generational trauma is still expressing itself in culture today. Mm-hmm. And so I think that it's one of the reasons why it's so important to talk about creating consent culture and how we can start to do that so that we can break those, those patterns. Right. And I'm always talking about break the wheel um, because I, I think that it's really the only way that we can become empowered is to heal number one. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and then teach the next generation. So which is a perfect segue to talk about your healing journey. So talk to me a little bit more about what that was like, what, how you started um, and how you finally realized, okay, I can consider myself a thriver instead of a survivor now. Well, the moment I could tell this story without crying, I was like, I think I'm good. (laughs) And because just because I, there was still to me, when you cry, you're feeling and you're releasing and there's still stuff that's in there, right? Mm-hmm. When they're happy tears, you're still releasing happiness. And so the moment I could tell the story and not fall about it, then I had released what needed to be released. And I mean, my, th- I mean, therapy is, is I'm a huge proponent for mental health. I think therapy is super important. Absolutely. My therapist, yeah, my my therapist. Now we we have to we had to heal my inner child, mm-hmm. you know, because I had to be there for her. And then you get all these things. I mean, it's crazy when just once you start healing. I tell people, if you're ready to heal, be ready because healing's not pretty. You know, a lot of times people think that oh, I'm going to heal, and it's like you're just gonna show up with a scar. Well, scars it's harder than than skin tissue. However, in order for it to become a scar, you have to like open up the wound, you know, clean it out, mm-hmm. remove all the gunk and all the infection, all the nastiness that's been holding there for a while, clean it out, really clean it out and then allow it to heal. Yeah. So it's a path. And I, to me, healing is, is forever. Like, I don't think I'll ever stop healing. I think I truly believe that once I start healing, I heal back mm-hmm. generations back and I heal generations forward. And so I want to make sure that whoever comes in front of me, they'll have less work to do than I do. And I'm working on healing the people behind me as well, because I do see my grandmother and I see my mother and I do see the work that I've done and how that also has helped them in, in one way or another. Right. And that. so how that looked like, I mean, lots of spiritual work, lots of a combination between science and spiritual stuff. So, I mean, and it's still going, it's still happening. Yeah. 
Yeah. I, I love that too, because I, I mean, I consider myself a thriver, but I'm continuing to go to therapy as well. And I think that's what allows me to continue to say that I'm a thriver because more things keep coming up. And, and it's funny when you were saying, you know, after I like realized I, I didn't have to cry when I told the story anymore, but even with my own stuff, um, I thought, okay, you know, I can talk about these things now. And like in one of my last sessions, I didn't even realize that something had come up and like, I couldn't even get the words out and I started crying and I was like, Oh my God, I guess, I guess that's not done. You know, like I guess they still have more work to do there. Right. Um, But then it's so empowering after to come out of that and say, okay, I made some progress, you know, and to Mm -hmm. feel like you're moving forward. So yeah, it's, it's some, it can be a little bit scary because you're, you know, some people don't want to open up that Pandora's box. But I always, I always like to make the analogy of like, you know, if you have gangrene, that's like, you know, you need to either cut off your arm or take out the poison so that you don't have to cut off your arm, you know? So it's like one way or another, it's going to, it's not going to be pretty. And I'd rather do the not pretty where there's light at the end, you know, versus like something worse. Um, Talk to me about like, in terms of therapy, was there a specific type that you sought out? Like, how did you find, like, I always love to get a little bit of nitty gritty information from people when they, you know, I think one of the most difficult parts is finding a, you know, the right therapy. Um, Talk to me about what your experience was in finding someone. How did you know it was the right fit? Did you have many therapists or was it just one and then you got lucky and that was the right person? No, I've gone through many therapists. My Ever since my parents divorced, we went to our therapy when we were little, actually. Okay. And then I've, I've seen different ones. And I feel, I mean, to me, a therapist is like a hairstylist. Mm-hmm. Like sometimes you have to try them out and, and then be like, you know what? I have curly hair. You specialize in straight hair. This is not going right. to work. <laughs> but I gave you a chance, right? <laughs> so... My current therapist actually came from a friend. She is in Mexico City and we do WhatsApp video calls. So it's completely virtual. And the reason why I love her is because I think it, I mean, therapy number one, my therapy with her is in Espanol. It's in Spanish. And so Spanish is my first language. And I think when I, when I, anything that it gets communicated in Spanish, it comes from my heart. Not that English mm-hmm. doesn't, but I'm, it, it's much more in English. I have to think about it because it's not my first language. Right. So it's, mm-hmm. it's more like it's coming in from my head. Core. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas when I speak Spanish, it really comes from my heart. And so that when I went through my first therapy with her, I was like, Oh my gosh, I really can't lie to you. Like, Mm -hmm. I just can't tell you what you want to hear because also, I mean, one thing to point out, sometimes when you're healing, you're exhausted. Mm -hmm. So I, I, I did do therapy where I would just be like, yeah, I'm fine. Nothing happened. Nothing to talk about. We good. Bye. Because (laughs) I don't want it. I just didn't feel like it. You know, I mean, it's exhausting. And so with her, (laughs) I can't lie to her. Mm -hmm. She just whatever needs to happen like every time we do a session there are tears there is anger released there is something every time so what she does is she works with my subconscious Mm. and that's why I can't lie because it's very it's I can't control it and 
so yeah, I did go through a couple therapists and when I found her, she is a no BS kind of person either. So she would tell you straight up, like you're being a victim and stop it. Mm. Let's, let's see what, let's see why, because right. that's wow. a way for the, that's you powerful. Yeah. No, it's, she's tough, but it's awesome because she would, she calls you out, right? Like, it's not like, oh, let's do something to help you overcome. No, she's like, okay, so this victim mentality that you're holding around this issue right now, it's happening because you want to protect yourself because something else happened. So let's go in Mm. and we dive in and yeah. And so it's really powerful to, to really uncover that those my current behavior is based on past behaviors. So her specialty is healing your inner child. And we go in and we explore what happened when I was little and how I created those barriers or those behaviors around certain issues because of something that happened when I was little, which to me is fascinating. Mm-hmm. And I also like, like her approach, her no BS approach. And yeah, and I, well, and so what's interesting too is that you know, it takes time to find someone. I, I feel like I've known certain people in my life who have tried therapy and it didn't, they didn't resonate with that person. So they just gave up. Give it up. Oh, yep. it's not for me. I'm beyond help. Mm-hmm. And I love to hear when someone says, you know, I've tried different people. And I love the analogy of the hairdresser because, you know, there's dif- different therapists specialize in different things. And um, even I think, you know, the first time I heard this, um, I think it was on one of the Latinx therapy podcasts was about connecting with someone who's from your culture. Is it's quite, so important. You know, yeah. And I didn't realize it was a huge light bulb. I mean, yeah. for me particularly, I uh, grew up in the U.S. So I, I actually, <clears throat> I'm considered what you would say, <clears throat> excuse me, is like an Enya, you know, where you like, yes. you have that sort of split culture that you're growing up with. And so I have no issue um, seeing my therapist who's not Latin culture, but uh, that's partially because of where I live. But <laughs> I also think that for some people, like they need to have that connection because they're the way that they grew up was so rooted in Latin culture that they, you know, if you're spending time having to explain what a quinceanera. Cultural issues, yeah. Yeah, like before you even get into like talking about the real issue. Yeah, um, you're educating somebody else. Yeah, so (laughs) I think that's so important. And I love that, you know, you um, didn't have that fear of, I mean, there's people who have fear of like even hurting the feelings of their therapist and like, how do I break up with them, you know? Mm. Um, But, you know, that's that's so important to say, look, I I realize that we're not the right match and I'm going to, you know, try to find someone who is. So I think that's awesome. I love that. And I love that you connected with someone on such a deep level because that's where the real healing, you know, happens, right? It's like you have mm-hmm. to be willing to open up and be honest in order to deal with the things that are, are going to either keep you stuck or allow you to grow. Totally, totally. Yeah. And, and I think to me, it, I was 300% committed to healing, Mm. my commitment to heal myself was more important than going through 15 therapists. You know, it was like, I need to heal. And right now this person's not working. So let's go to the next one. And, you know, I had a lot of conversations with Priscilla, who's the humble therapist, my friend who comes on my show from time to time. And she was like, it's perfectly fine. She's a therapist. She was like, it's perfectly fine, Pam. If you don't like the therapist, go to another one. Mm -hmm. I mean, 
they, it's like, en español, siempre hay un roto para un descosido, you know, it's like, mm. you, you will always find someone that fits you, but you have to look for them. Yeah, I love that. I love that. Well, and so uh, to wrap things up, because uh, I, I know that you're a busy woman, so I want to take up too much of your time, but I love, um, you know, all of the, the things that we talked about today, because it was, you know, talking about not feeling like you are, like if you know something happened and you've talked about it and people are telling you no, that you continue to follow your compass and, you know, seek, seek the help that you needed and you made it to the other end of feeling like, okay, I, I got through this and I didn't allow people to gaslight what happened to me. Um, so I think that's a powerful, you know, that was by itself powerful is what helped you heal and not allowing people's normalization of rape culture to mm -hmm. prevent you from seeking that out. Right. So that's awesome. And then the fact that, you know, you didn't give up on finding someone who was right for you. I think that that is so much gold for the, for those listeners who have maybe had bad experiences. Don't give up because there is someone there out there who is the right, um, you know, help for you. And sometimes that doesn't necessarily have to be a therapist right away. It can be someone else who does energy healing to help you mm -hmm. get strong enough to want to step into a healing journey. You know? mm -hmm. No, I did so, both. I still do yeah. both. Yeah, exactly. So, everyone needs to heal. So I don't want to hear people that say, Oh, I don't need to heal. I don't need, come on. Yeah. We're humans. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> exactly exactly well so one question that I ask all of my uh, guests is what advice would you give in any of these areas you can choose about boundaries consent or sexual empowerment hmm Oof, that's a broad broad question I know. <laughs> <laughs> um I would say Oh, I've, I've so many. Let me see. Let me, let me center myself. Well, do you consider yourself sexually empowered? Yes. So yeah, I think, I think talking about it is, is great. Talking about it with your partner is amazing. Mm -hmm. I think, I mean, I frankly, now looking back, I think that my sexual assault experience allowed me to connect with my body again. Because I disconnected from my body for a while. And then I was like, oh, who are you? Oh, that, this is interesting. I didn't know this was here, you know? Mm -hmm. So really removing the body shame from yourself and and getting to know your body is an awesome thing. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I think I think being sexually empowered has allowed me to do much more things outside of being sexually empowered, if that makes sense. Like, because yeah. I know and understand my body so much, I can climb a mountain mm -hmm. or I can go, you know, do these other things. And I know that my body's capable of doing awesome things. Yeah. I love that. And that's such an important point is to get away from the shame of our bodies because oh, yeah. they are, we've, we are gifted with these amazing bodies. And we, <clears throat> unfortunately, society, right, tells us to have all this shame and guilt around it. But 
in truth, like we, if we start loving those parts of ourselves, it opens up so much. So yeah, I yeah. love that. Love your body. I'm all about it. I'm all about body positivity. Mm-hmm. The best to me, that is the best way to radically own who we are. Mm-hmm. You know, and Absolutely. the best way to, because I'm a contrarian, <laughs> the best way to rebel against, against society standards. Yes. Because if I love my body so much, it doesn't matter what you're putting on a magazine ad. Exactly. Preach. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I love that. Well, and on your bio, it says body positivity. And I remember that always stood out to me because it's, you know, when you talk, like when you talk about on your bio, like all the things that you do, and then you have body positivity, it kind of stands out in, in a contrast, you know, and I'm like, hmm, that's interesting. like, because it's, it's not something that's specifically relative to, to anything, a brand right? strategist or a podcaster, you know, but it's like, I love that you, you take that stand to say that's part of what I'm about. So I love that. So speaking of Instagram, tell everyone how they can find you. And of course, I want to make sure that our followers are checking out your podcast, Cafe Con Pam, because you have such amazing content and interviews on there. But how else can people find you? Totally. So one, the podcast is one. And then I hang out on Instagram a lot. That's probably my favorite platform mm-hmm. right now. So I have two accounts. One is at Cafe Con Pam podcast to make sure that it's the podcast because mm-hmm. there's another Cafe Con Pam and she's not me. So <laughs> it's, I'm at Cafe Con Pam podcast. And then my personal is at Kobiuk, C-O-B-I-U-X. And, and what about... Uh, powerhood or sorry I'm saying it wrong the power, the power sisters yeah is yeah that- so I have an, an Instagram for power sisters method right now it's empty because I'm strategizing on how to best utilize that account and okay. that is my my junto or mastermind for productivity to get things done mm-hmm. which was amazing I love that you. I was no. be in that one this uh this summer actually I know, I know. I'm getting ready to launch the the next one. So, but mainly I post on the two on Cafe Compam and Kobukes. Okay, I have a couple more, but those are you'll find me through the the main ones. Perfect. And your website is spreadideasmovepeople.com. dot com. So yep. if anybody is uh, interested in learning more about you and uh, connecting with you, they can also go there. Totally. Spreadideasmovepeople.com. dot com. Awesome. And yeah, I'm always down to learn and chat and talk to other people. I'm an extrovert, so <laughs> talk to me. That's all I want. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Well, thank you so, so much for joining me today. I know that everyone is going to learn so much and uh, walk away with some definitely some inspiration and ideas of how they can step into their own healing journey. So thank you so much for sharing your story. Thank you so much for having me. It was fun. Thanks for listening to the About Consent podcast. I stand for consent culture, shame-free sexual literacy, orgasm equality, and our right to freedom and truth. If you stand for this too, be sure to subscribe. And I would be most grateful if you took one minute to post a five-star rating and review on iTunes so that others may also find this information. Share this podcast with everyone you know so we can start to create consent culture one conversation at a time. My friends, the revolution is here. Get on board.